I actually do have an identical twin. We're mere twins. She's left-handed. I'm right-handed. No, I'm left-handed. She's right-handed. I'm a little loopy. We got up at 1, 1 a.m. your time is what time we got up. So um, if I fall asleep, just wake me up and I'll keep preaching. But um, my sister, we have our first babies are nine days apart. Our second babies are three weeks apart. Our third babies are three months apart. And um, they all have the same dad. No, that's horrible. No. So anyway, this is our family. That's Ben. My husband is here. So ladies, he's not available. And, um, and then Judah's seven. Hudson is six. Grayson is three. And Beckham is one, almost two. And um, two out of four are saved. So that's exciting. So we're working our way through revival in our community. But anyway, how many of you have a three-year-old that needs Jesus? Come on. So um, pull out your Bibles to John chapter 10. Travis, we're so honored to be here. We're so honored to be here with your team. I know you have a team that's brought us in. Worship was fantastic. And, uh, you know, um, I just love Canada. I got to be honest. I, um, yeah, I know you guys love your country too, but... um, I was here when I was seven years old. My dad spoke at a church called the People's Church in Edmonton. Do you know where that is? So uh, anyway, I was seven. We came ministering here. My dad was traveling. We had a Winnebago, and we went through all of Victoria and all different, all over Canada. And um, my parents took us to the Edmonton Zoo, and there was a monkey exhibit right? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? And so my parents convinced us at seven years old that the monkey was our mom and that they had picked us up and that that was our, our relatives. And so they were working us all day. That's your mom. You came from monkeys. You're still cute. And they're, you know, doing all this. And well, we finally leave on a plane and we get to immigration and the, the guy says, are these your mom and dad? And my parents said they could feel, they went, like they just freaked out and they were so afraid they were going to say, no, my parents got us at the zoo. And so they said, they said, we pray Jesus. We just pray the spirit of wisdom would come over these girls. And so we came home. But anyway, I, I do love, uh, I love your, your nation. And I got to be honest, when I was flying over, um, Edmonton and, and we were, we were landing, I just, I felt such an anticipation in my heart. And, you know, we travel two to three times a month. We're on the road in all different places. And we, you know, we were, we go in different nations. We were in Mexico last, last week, but we, you know, we travel all over the place. It's very rare that I come into a place and I'm not necessarily a feeler. Uh, but when I came in, it felt like God was up to something in this community. There was fresh air. It felt like there was like a breath of fresh wind that was coming in this community. And, um, you know, I just feel like Canadians, you're not going to fake it if it's not real. And so I feel like there has to be an authenticity to what, what we do, you know, as followers of Christ. And uh, so I love that about you. And I feel like God's going to partner your authenticity and your humility with a move of God that's going to really come in this community. And I'm, I'm excited to be a part of that. I'm honored that Travis would be in faith, bring my husband and I out to be with you guys. And we're going to have fun. We're going to have fun. I'm going to preach tonight all the way till tomorrow night. So I'm so glad you're here and we're going to go from there. I want to, you know, one of my mandates in my life, um, we are on staff at a church in Reading and I do, do all kinds of stuff, but I grew up in the church. I'm a church girl and, um, I never wanted to be in ministry. I was not the girl that ever wanted to be in ministry. And my sister was signed up to go to nursing school and I was going to live off my parents. And that was kind of my plan. (laughs) 
in life. How many of you have that plan currently, right? Okay, don't look around. But anyway, that was kind of my plan. And I um, felt so lost in the church. I think there's many times when you've been raised in the church, and because my dad was on the road eight months out of the year, and my sister and I were with him six months out of the year, we were on the road, I saw the body of Christ from all different nations to all different places. And what I found was that Christianity has a tendency to have secret handshakes. There's things in Christianity and being a Christ follower where we're all supposed to know, like, hey, just renew your mind. Well, what does that even mean? You know? Hey, just have the victory. See what I mean? Just have the victory. You know, well, what does that even mean? Well, just defeat the devil. Well, I don't know what that actually means. Like, I want to, I want to, because my heart is for God, but I'm not really sure how that all works. And so part of my mandate, part of my commission, if you will, is to begin to decode that for us as followers. Like, my heart is that you leave tonight having tools in your hand that you're not like, that was a great message, but you actually know what to do. Like, you go home and you're like, I can walk this out for the next month or two, and it's going to revolutionize my life. Um, I'm very confident that if you take tonight's message and begin to apply it to your life, I am, I am absolutely convinced that your life will never be the same. In fact, I'm convinced that you will begin to see freedom in your life like you've never had before. And uh, the things that have been plaguing you, the mindsets, the criticism, the, the wandering, the, the apathy, the, the part of you that's wondering, what should I do? What's the will of God for my life? It's going to begin to be decoded for you, and you're going to get clarity and say, oh, God, I get it. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. So tonight my message is about dealing with the devil. Yes, I said devil. And yes, we're going to talk about him. So sit back. We're going to enjoy ourselves tonight. But, you know, tonight I'm going to talk about the necessity of dealing with the enemy. And I, I, because I'm a church girl, there's a lot of different camps when it comes to the devil. And there's one side of the church, which I don't know where you're from, but this is, there's a part of the church that really never, ever talks about the devil. It's almost like if there's anything that happens in a spiritual sense, there's that one girl or one guy in the church that knows how to deal with it, and they quietly take the person in the back room, they close the door, and they just pray that whatever's going on would be gone, and when they come out, everything would be peaceful again. Come on, right? And then there's another side of the church that's like, here a devil, there a devil, everywhere a devil, devil. You sneeze, and they're like, be released in Jesus' name, you know? There, you know, there's this kind of like, everything's the devil. Well, my car broke, you know, my car ran out of gas. Well, that's the devil. No, you forgot to fill it up with gas. Whatever. <laughs> and so there's this kind of part of the, you know, the church where, where it's all the devil or it's not the devil at all. And so as a, as a woman who's trying to follow God, I want to know, what, what does it mean? The Bible says the devil is under our feet. Yeah. The devil's under our feet. He has no power over us. But the Bible also says that we don't fight against flesh and blood, but we fight against principalities and every, everything, every high thought that lifts itself up above the knowledge of God. So where's, where do we come in with that? How does that work in our lives? And so I want to decode this a little bit for you and help you, help you in your journey. T.D. Jake says this so well. He says, you must understand your enemy, for you cannot defeat what you do not understand. You cannot defeat what you, what you do not understand. John 10.10, 10, how many of you are there? Say amen. All right, Lord, we, we, let's just pray. Lord, help. Amen. Okay, John 10, 10 says this. Most of us know this. The thief comes only to what? And? Wow, oh, 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 you're fast forwarding me. Hold on. The thief comes only to? And? And? 
And then Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it what? Abundantly. So here's the deal. When, this is one of the most foundational verses when it comes to dealing with the enemy. And I want to explain a little bit about this verse because I myself was surprised as I began to research it what it actually meant. The first word we see in this word is steal. Now, if you have your Bible or if you like to underline or if you have your phone and you can highlight this, I want you to highlight that word steal. If you're taking notes, I want you to write down the word steal or the thief, excuse me, the thief. That word thief is a Greek word that comes from the word klepto. I wonder where we got the word kleptomaniac. Do you guys have that word here? Yes. All right. I know that you are, you know, we're, yeah, whatever. So klepto, kleptomaniac, kleptomania, that's, that's a compulsion to steal. Do you know the devil is very compulsive about stealing in your life? Which means that you can't just have joy and he leaves you alone. You can't just be pure and he leaves you alone. You can't just have peace. The devil believes that what you have is his. In fact, he believes that the earth is his and everything on the earth is his. Did you know that? So just because you call in the name of Jesus doesn't mean that he's not trying to steal from you even now. Now, that word thief is a compulsive characteristic of the enemy. I remember many years ago, I went to a camp and one of the girls kept borrowing all of our stuff. Well, at the end of the camp, somebody picked up on the fact that this girl kept taking everybody's stuff. And when they, when she was about to leave, they opened up all of her suitcases and she had taken from all of us, all of us girls, all these clothes and stuff that we had saved our money all year to, you know, have for summer camp. The amazing part was the girl came from a very, very wealthy family a completely wealthy family, and yet she still took our stuff. And see, that's kind of how the enemy works in our lives. Even if you have taken it, he still wants to take it back from you. He still wants to steal from you, and he wants to rob from us. The Bible says that it comes as an embezzler. Another part of that that word means to embezzle. Do you guys have to know what that is? So where you take things slowly, where it's nearly undetected, and it begins to take that so slowly. Another word for that is pickpocket, um, to steal. Now, the second part of this passage, John 10.10, I want you to look at the second word. But it says, the thief comes to steal and to what? Kill. Now, what's interesting about this word is how many of you have read this passage and thought, the devil's coming to kill us. Come on. He's after murder. Have you ever thought that? Like, he's... Okay, just me. Awesome. Well, anyway, some of us have thought that it might be to kill. But this is what that word means. It means thorough, which means through, which means to sacrifice. So the Greek word means that the devil comes to steal from us. But what he cannot take, he will convince us to sacrifice. The devil comes to take from us. But what he cannot steal from us, he will convince us to sacrifice. God, I have waited for a man for so many years, I'm done waiting. God, I'm so done waiting for the job. I'm so done. God, I am giving faithfully to your kingdom, and yet nothing is happening. You see, I believe most of the church, the devil is not taking from. Most of the church is not, he's not stealing from us. He, the most of the church is giving him because we're tired of waiting. 
And so we will give him our joy, we'll give him our peace, we'll give him our purity, we'll give him our authenticity, whatever it is, and he will take it from us. He'll steal from us. The devil doesn't have to take from us as much as he just has to convince us to believe the lie that we are missing something. That he is, that God is, that God is withholding from us. The lie that God is withholding from us causes us to buy into things and hurt us more than we're aware of. You know, I, I love the, the thought that envy is the enemy's way of telling you that God cheated you. Envy is the enemy's way of telling you that God cheated you. Your ability to look at someone else's life, someone else's gifting, someone else's uh, increase in their life, and, and the devil is whispering, look at God. He did not give you what he gave them. Look at God. You're never going to have the life that you need, that you want, that you, that you should have because God is not going to give you what you need. In fact, God is only going to give you just enough, but he will never give you abundance. And it's a lie from the pit of hell because the Bible says in this part of this passage is that, the, that the God, Jesus came that you may have life and have it abundantly. That Greek word of abundance means more than you could ever imagine. Which means your capacity to actually believe, God, what is my life going to look like? It's greater than you could sit back and dream about. So we've got to begin to understand that he is coming to give us more than we could ever imagine. Now, here's what I want to talk about for a minute about this. We need to understand how the enemy works. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 6. This is another foundational verse. And then I'm going to start to paint this picture of what we're talking about tonight a little bit. Ephesians chapter 6, when you are there, verse 16, just say amen. Amen. All right, you guys are fast. Ephesians chapter 6 says this in verse 16. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith in which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take Take the helmet of salvation... And the sword of the Spirit. If you're underlining your Bible or circling, I want you to circle the sword of the Spirit. This is very key to understanding how we defeat the enemy. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You can also underline that or you can link it together. So, again, the Bible says don't be, don't be naive. The, devil's, the devil is after to steal or to, or to convince us to sacrifice. This is how you're going to fight the enemy. By the word of God. Now, there is two types of word of God in the Greek. The first word that you're going to find is the word logos. L-O-G-O-S. Logos. Everyone say logos. Logos means the entire written word of God. This is your logos. How many of you have a logos? You can just, this is it. Okay, so if I said, honey, hand me my logos, he would hand me this. The entire written word of God. Yeah? But that is not what this word is. In the Bible, the word, word of God here, is not logos. It doesn't say, take up the sword of the spirit, which is your Bible. How many of you have heard that before? Get used the word of God to defeat the devil. It's the word of God. It's the sword of the spirit. That is not necessarily what this author, what, what, what Paul meant. This word is the word rhema. Everybody say rhema. Rhema means, if you're taking notes, a quickened, specific word of God. 
a quickened, specific word of God. So we have logos. Everyone say logos. And we have what? Rhema. So logos, there should be a slide for this. Logos is the written word of God. And rhema is the quickened word of God. When Paul writes this in this passage, take up the sword of the spirit, which is the rhema word of God. So this is what it looks like. Back in the day when Roman soldiers trained, Roman soldiers were taught two different ways for battle. Roman soldiers were first taught endurance. They were given a double the weight sword that they would carry around every day. And these Roman soldiers would carry this sword around and they would, they would build endurance and stamina. But they also were given a sword for battle and that sword was not a long sword like we've imagined. How many of you ever thought of, the, of Roman soldiers? The, like, kind of like the gladiator, the movie. How many of you have seen that? That's just repent right now if you've seen that movie. Okay. So, you know, we think of this sword and we're slashing. We're going to kill the devil. We're slashing around. There's lots of blood. Don't be gross. But listen... That is not what this is. In fact, Roman soldiers had a sword the size of a dagger. A dagger's about that big. It's almost like a switchblade, right? Kind of, maybe a little bit bigger. But it's this big. And Roman soldiers were never taught to cut and slash. Roman soldiers were taught to look at the body of their opponent and to stab them. And theologians believed that the sword only had to go in two inches to kill their opponent. Which meant these men were trained in such a way that they knew exactly the vulnerable part of their opponent. And they knew if they put the sword in them right at the right place, it would, it would absolutely kill the enemy. So when Paul is talking about this, he's not saying, take up the huge sword, double weight, enduring sword to kill the enemy. I want you to take up the dagger, the quick, sharp, two-inch killing word and kill the devil right where, he, right where he is. Kill the enemy right where he is. And so when we, when we begin to understand the enemy, and I want you to get this, this is really important. We cannot fight the enemy by just this word. We've got to fight the word by, by we've got to fight the devil by, by the rhema. You see, Jesus fought the enemy in the same way. You don't have to turn there, but in Luke chapter 5, I believe, Luke chapter 5, um, it talks, Luke chapter 4, excuse me, it talks about this. Jesus goes into the desert and he fasts for 40 days. How many of you have ever fasted for 40 days of food? All right. So this is a big, big feat. I've done it twice in my life and I almost ate my, one of my limbs. I was so hungry, right? And I, I did it because we, were, we did it the right way. Went to a doctor, don't worry, but we were doing it for spiritual purposes. But 40 days is a crazy amount of time to not eat. Jesus goes into the desert and he's in the hot sun. I mean, I can't even imagine. He's starving. And after 40 days, the devil comes to him. And the devil says to him, do you see those rocks? Turn those rocks into bread. And what does Jesus say to him? Does Jesus say, devil, do you know what happened to me in the last chapter? I I don't know if you know what just happened to me. You see, a little while ago, I went into the desert. And when I went into the desert... 
I came for one purpose, and that purpose was to be baptized. And when I walked into the desert, I saw my cousin John standing there. And John was baptizing people. But when I walked up, he knew that I wanted to be baptized. And he yelled out to the crowd that was standing there, I'm not worthy to baptize you. And he's looking at me in the eyes, and he's, he's telling me, listen, I'm not worthy to baptize you. I know it's taking place, and I'm not worthy. But I begged John, John, please baptize me. Come on, I, you can do this. I'm your, I'm your cousin, I know, but just baptize me. I, 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 you're the one. You're the one that's chosen to do this. And so John goes and he takes me into the water, just like he did with all the other people that were coming to the bank that day to be baptized. John takes me, and when he takes me down under the water, I come out of the water, and heaven rips open over this scene. And a loud voice of my dad in heaven yells out, Behold my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. Immediately there's a dove that comes out of the heavens, goes around and around, and finally lands on me. It was the most powerful thing that I've ever witnessed on earth, and John had ever witnessed. Now how many of you are sitting here thinking, that's exactly like my baptism, that's so weird. Okay, I know, just want to, didn't want to leave you out. So, Jesus does not tell the devil what just happened to him. Do you know why? Because Jesus doesn't fight the enemy by telling the enemy that he's loved and affirmed. Jesus doesn't use his affirmation and love of his father to fight the enemy. You know why? The devil already knows you're loved. The devil already knows you're affirmed. But the devil knows that you can be loved and affirmed and still be picked on. And so Jesus gives us an example of what it looks like to defeat the enemy. And he gives us a clear picture as a Christ follower. This is how you're going to defeat the enemy. This is how you're going to deal with him. Jesus looks at the devil... And he says this very clearly. He says, it is written, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus, please follow me on this, this is really important. Jesus takes a rhema word and he throws it at the devil and he silences the devil. You see, this is why being in the Word is so important. How many of you love your Bible? Good, four of us. Okay, well, the rest of us, do you know that this, we need to be in this thing consistently. Where I understand, I I am not a reader by nature. I'm like a TV watcher by nature. Anybody, like, I love TV. Like, I... I, I, how many of you love TV? Like, I have an affection for TV. Like, I, I record all my favorite movies. I go in at night. I lock the door. I watch all my favorite shows. I, I have, it's like my own little, how many of you feel that way? It's like your own little world. You, you know, the world is dark and gray, but TV land is fun. How many of you feel that way? <laughs> I'm not afraid to say it. I'm just, I have an overactive mind, and so watching something, absolutely, silence is very dangerous for an overactive mind. It's like, Cricket, cricket. So, I don't know where I am. All I know is I love TV. So let's let's go back. Okay. So, 
Don't write that down. That's not one of my points. I love TV. Okay. The reason we are in the Word is not, I understand, it's not the most exciting thing at times. Can we just all not act like we're shining our halos today? Like, this is, this is truth, right? Like, but the Bible says that this does not return void, which means that when we read it or we listen to it, you can listen to it on audio. I don't know if you know that. There's free apps where you can actually listen to the Word of God. I'm not saying that because you're Canadian. I would say that in America, so don't worry. I wasn't, I wasn't mocking you. Listen. In fact, if you're American, I would mock you more, so I'm pulling it back. But listen, the reason we read our word is not for the rhema moments, meaning it's, we're, not, we're not just trying to kill the devil every time we're reading the word. Like, hey, every time I have a quiet time, bam, here it is, exactly what I need. No, no, no. We're reading the word because we're building endurance and strength. We're, we're, we're choosing humility. We're saying, God, I want to know what you think more than what I think. And we're building a, a full-on library, a pantry, if you will. Do you guys have pantries? Is that what you call them, where you store your food? I'm not saying that, like, you guys, I, pr- I promise. I just want to make sure I'm saying the right word. I'm not saying, like, do you know what a pantry is? I'm not, I promise. I'm the blonde up on the stage, okay? So just don't, don't judge me. So listen. I am building a library. I'm building staples in my life so that when I need to cook a good meal, I have all the ingredients to cook the meal. You see, when we fight the enemy, we're building endurance. And the Bible says, this is very key, the Bible says we defeat the enemy by having the Logos word and picking the rhema out of that. So what it means is this. If I'm going around, going along my day, and all of a sudden... I think, who am I? I'm a girl. I'm a mom of four kids, seven and under. You know, I'm just, I'm, I'm really not good at anything I'm doing, barely doing anything. I think everyone gets bathed once a week at least. You know, I, and if they are in the swimming pool, that counts. And so, you know, I, I, who am I? Like, seriously, like, who am I? And if I just let there, I go, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find out how to defeat the enemy. So we do something called hunt and peck. Have you ever done this? I'm coming to hear the word. Some of you, it's like tonight. You're like, I'm going to open my Bible for the first time in a month. And I'm going to go, okay, God, what do you have to say? Well, the tricky part with that is many times we might get fortunate every once in a while. But usually it's, it's like, and, and he begat so-and-so, and he begat so-and-so. And you're like, Lord, I'm trying to get something out of this right now. When, when God wants to defeat the enemy in our lives, he will pull out of what we've learned. Because there's a storehouse within our minds and hearts and spirits that has been built in such a way that he pulls it out. So I could be going along going, who am I? I'm nobody. I don't have anybody. And then all of a sudden, Jeremiah 1 says, before I formed you, before I knew, before I formed you, I, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and I could be sitting there driving my car and go, I, but, but if I didn't know that scripture, I hadn't read that scripture, I wouldn't have the tools. You see, you can't fight the enemy by your favorite Bible verse. Can we just get real? Like, some of us are literally waiting, okay, I'm using the same thing, like, I'm love. Listen, then he will do other tactics. He will try other tactics, and so you've got to be smart. So, in my life, There are different lies that come at me, at all kinds of lies, 
And I have to have the rhema word for the moment to annihilate it quickly. You see, Jesus dealt with it, and he would not play games with the enemy. And some of us, you come to altar calls, and you pray that God, oh God, will you pray for me so that this will come off of me? And what you need to do is get your dagger out and kill the enemy. I'll just call my best friend, and she'll encourage me. No, you need the rhema word over your life. You see, that's what spiritual maturity looks like, is when we stop turning to everybody else to help us, but we actually go to the Spirit of God and say, show me how to do this. And we practice, and we're not perfect at it, but we practice, and we practice, and pretty soon we begin to be good at, good at it. You know, for me, there's many times when I have to say, you know, all kinds of things. You know, I'm going to live a life worthy of the calling I've received. You know, I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And I begin to have scriptures that I use against the enemy at the right time, and it absolutely shuts him up. And my rhema word isn't your rhema word. Have you ever had someone go, oh, I read this verse and it's amazing, it's my heart, and then you're like, it's great. <laughs> that doesn't make you a jerk, it just makes you human. You have your own experience with God. You have your own lessons. God will say something and you'll go, that's what I've been trying to say. That's what I've needed. And, and it may be something you've heard a long time ago, but it's what you needed. So Jesus says this in Luke chapter 4. It is written, man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds the mouth of God. Second time, the enemy comes to him and says, throw yourself off this building and your angels will protect you. And what does Jesus say? It is written... You shall not test the Lord your God. Third time, the devil goes, let's just get this whole thing over with. You just bow down and let's just, let's just finish it off. Bow down. We'll just, I'll leave you alone. And Jesus says again, third time, it is written. You shall not worship the Lord your God. You should worship nobody else. You see, I believe as followers of Christ, we need a, it is written in our lives. I believe that as a woman and a mom and a wife and a godly woman, I need a it is written in my life. I believe you as a man, as a, an employee or an employer, as a man, of, as a student or someone who's seeking God, you need a it is written in your life. Because the enemy is coming, guys. I love you. I'm not trying to scare you. But I got to be honest. We cannot be naive of his schemes. We cannot act like, well, I'm just going to worship and God will just take care of it. Stop it. The Bible, there's so much to this, but here's what I want to I decode for you. You are a spirit. Your spirit is within you. It was dead until Jesus or the Holy Spirit came and, lit, and filled it up. So it was like a deflated balloon and the spirit of God came and filled you. It, the Bible, it's almost like when you put a glove on a hand, your spirit was like a glove that only God could come and fill. It was, it, made, it was perfect for him. It was the right place for him to fill. It was exactly what it was meant to be. And all of us had dead spirits until we invited the Holy Spirit to come live within us. The Holy Spirit is not broken. He's not, he's not wanting. You didn't get a half Holy Spirit or, well, I got a mature Holy Spirit. Travis got more Holy Spirit this week and he's going to get more next week. No, no. He got the whole Holy Spirit. You got the whole Holy Spirit. Then why... Are you kind of messed up? Don't look around, but come on. Why are we messed up? I mean, the Holy Spirit's perfect, and He's living within us. The Bible says we'll do greater things than He that's in the, that was in the earth. What, like, why? 
This is stuff I like to think about. Why does the Bible say that we have a complete salvation, and then the next part, it says, we're working on our salvation? Is the author confused? Does he not know what he's talking about? The reason we have to work out our salvation is not within our spirit, but within our soul. Our soul has three things, and you can write this down if you don't know this, but your soul has three things. It's, it has, it's part of three things. The first thing you have is your mind. Your mind is your soul, and every thought that comes in your mind. How many of you have a mind? If you don't, we're going to pray over you right now. Jesus, touch them right now. Okay. You have a mind. Though, did you know your thoughts need to be renewed? Romans 7 says that we have to actually have a transformation. Our mind has to be renewed. Why do we renew our mind? So we can think good thoughts? So we can be more spiritual? The Bible says we renew our mind at that passage in, in, in Romans chapter 7 so that we can know the perfect will of God. It's impossible to know the will of God for you without a renewed mind. You know why? Because it's the hardest person to hear God for is yourself. Have you ever found that to be true? Why? Because you have motives. You have intent. You want things to happen. God, give me that girl. I need her. It's the will of God. I know it is. God, give me that car. I just know, God, I would be a testimony for you as I fly down the road with that car. I just know I would. I'll put a Jesus sticker on it. I promise you I will. The reason we need a renewed mind is so that we know the will of God because the will of God is offensive sometimes to our own thoughts. That was brilliant. I'll say that again. Okay, so the... the, I'm teasing. The will of God can be offensive to our own minds. Many times God will offend the mind to reveal the heart. He'll ask us to do things that we just don't make sense, but when we do it, he reveals our heart and we find a true motive, we find redemption, we find healing, we find peace. So the mind has to be renewed and that's a process. And the enemy uses our thoughts against us. How many of you know that just because you thought something doesn't make it true? And just because something landed in your mind doesn't need to stay there. Second part of that in your soul is your emotions. Did you know your emotions need to be renewed? That your emotions want to take you places that you sometimes don't need to go? Now your emotions aren't wrong, and we'll talk about that tomorrow a little bit. Your emotions give you an understanding of what's going on on the inside of you, and we'll talk about all that tomorrow. I'm going to talk about tomorrow what God holds you responsible for. There are three specific things God holds you responsible for, and they are within your responsibility, and no one else in your world can, can, can lead those things. I'm going to explain all of that, and I'm going to talk about godly boundaries and how to make sure you're taking care of what you need to take care of and making sure you're not taking care of what everybody else is taking care of and make sure that you're safe and you have margin in your life, and you know how to protect yourself and protect others around you by making the right decisions and knowing what God actually is holding you responsible for. So we're going to talk about that tomorrow. It's on godly responsibility. So your emotions are in that. Some of you came from broken places, and your emotions attach memories to them and thoughts to them, and so you've got to understand that those need to be renewed. But 
thirdly, did you know your will needs to be renewed? So your mind, will, and emotions are in your soul. Your will needs to be surrendered. This is very important. Just because you love God doesn't necessarily mean your will is surrendered. And just because you love God doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to want to do what he's asking you to do. That doesn't make you unspiritual. It makes you human. It's not, it's not um, ungodly to want to do something different than what God wants you to do. You go, what does that mean? What I mean is, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, what did he say? Not my will, but yours be done. It, mean, it meant Jesus had a will. He wanted to do something different, but he surrendered his will to, G, to, to, to the Father and said, I will do what you want me to do. I will surrender myself, and I will, lean, I will lean into your will, trusting you. Some of us, you're a strong-willed person. Who's a strong-willed person in here? How many of you had parents that said, you are so strong-willed? My parents on the coffee table said, raising the strong-willed child on the coffee table. I, I know it was for my sister. No. <laughs> your ability to surrender your will will be one of your greatest gifts as a follower of Christ. The stronger will you have, the more you'll need to learn to surrender it. Because we can will things into place, but it's not really the time or the place and what God's designed for us. So your mind, will, and emotions must be renewed. Your spirit works perfectly. Your spirit is not broken. You come in here tonight, they're leading worship, and your spirit's like, yay, I love you, God. You're awesome. Come on, Father. Spirit to spirit, talk to spirit. You talk to God, not out of your mind, not out of your, your heart. You talk to God spirit to spirit. Without having your, the Holy Spirit within you, you can't talk to God. Commune with him is what I mean. You need the spirit to spirit to speak to him. That's why it's so important we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? So the soul, spirit works great. When we're defeating the enemy, your spirit is leading you to freedom. Your spirit's saying, don't look at that. Don't, no, no, pornography is not what you need, sweetheart. You know, that relationship is not what you need. That job is not what you need. That income is not what you need. Don't, don't, go, don't go there. Don't, don't do it. Spirit. But your soul, your mind is going, do it, do it. Come on. Your will's like, come on, make it happen. Your emotions are like, I just don't want to be alone anymore. And we've got to renew that part of us. And then your body holds all of it. So it's almost like a target, your spirit, your soul, and your body. And you can't do anything with your body that doesn't touch your soul or spirit. I'll say that again. You cannot do anything with your body that, can't, that will not touch your soul and spirit. You can't go to the bedroom to get soul or spirit needs met. Some of you will get that later. Okay. So when we're, when we're defeating the enemy in our lives, we need to have the rhema word over our lives. And the more that we can be aware, I don't care how spiritual you think you are or how spiritual you feel you are, the enemy is very sly. And I like to say, your greatest weakness is the one that you don't think you have. Because the enemy is coming to, to really destroy us. Now, how does he destroy us? He destroys us by agreements, 
by things that we agree with him about. You know, in my life, I was not the girl that should have been chosen to, to minister. I was um, very, very, very bad at school. I was horrible at reading and writing. In fact, I um, had a lot of learning disabilities where I was tested and in special, had tutoring and all this kind of stuff just to help me graduate from high school. And so that really affected me because I had a grandfather who was an Italian immigrant who shoeshined his way up to being a Supreme Court justice of New York State. So we're talking major drive. And my entire Italian family's that way, lawyers and doctors and, and just very, just brilliant, very, just brilliant people. And here I was, the girl that could barely go through high school. And I remember the Lord saying to me, I want to use you, Havila, and I thought, you can't. You're going to have to heal my brain to use me. I mean, I'm just not, I'm not the girl for you. I'm, I choose, I've got a twin. She looks a lot like me. You're picking the wrong twin. Like just, I know we, people get us mixed up. It's okay. But, you know, pick her. And I remember feeling so inadequate in it. And feeling like I, I can't do this. And I remember at one point in my early years, I was 17 years of age. And um, I was kind of being that roller coaster kid, like going to church and loving God and going to school and trying to be cool and too cool for school, yes. And um, some guys had picked my sister and I up to go to a party one night after church. We got into their car and both guys are in the front seat of this car. Music is blaring and my sister and I are in the back. And all of a sudden in this car, I feel the presence of God come in this car. I didn't see him. I didn't hear him, but I knew he was speaking to me. And when he begins to speak to me, I begin to be filled with emotion because I was familiar with the presence of God. I knew that God was saying something. And so I awkwardly yelled out at these guys, can you turn the music down? Now, I don't know what I'm going to say, but I just knew I needed to say something. And so I yell out, turn the music down, and it's, it's just like this, dead silent. And so I just say, out loud, awkwardly, embarrassingly, I say, I don't know about you, but I'm going to serve God. <laughs> like I said, there was no music in the background, no leader on a mic, let's bow our heads. No, no, it was just, it was that. Dead silence in the car. And then I find myself say, I'm going to serve God, and you're welcome to come with me if you like, but this is what I'm going to do. Now, I'm now crying in the car because I'm having an encounter that God is like, I know I'm doing the right thing. So I'm crying. I look over at my sister, and I don't know if she's thinking, like, speak for yourself. You know, you're on your own. I look over her, and she's sobbing. And we're both having this encounter in this car. Well, we still laugh to, the day, to this day because the guys never said a word. They just took us home. <laughs> I mean, just never said anything. We just... All of a sudden, we're in front of our house. And um, so we get out of the car, and I never, we never saw the guys again. I mean, it was one of those things where literally it was like, I can't even find them on Facebook stalking. So <laughs> not that I've done that. So anyway, I, uh, we go into the house. It's dark. It's dark. It's late at night. We go into one of our bedrooms, and we kneel down by one of our beds, and we say this simple prayer Lord, out loud. Lord, we're not much. We're young. We're girls. 
and we have no special giftings or grace in our life. But if you can use anyone, you are welcome to use us. And I've often wished that, like, the heavens opened that night, you know? And I've always, I kind of joke about how, you know, like, and the angels descending up and down the ladder, and I'm like, I knew it, you know? And how many of you ever, how many of you ever wished that God would just give you one angel to confirm your story? I mean, you ever feel, it's like he has, he has thousands and millions of angels. He can't just give us one to confirm that he's real in this moment, but whatever, we'll talk about it in heaven. So, nothing Nothing. I hear nothing. We go to bed, we turn the light out. And I have learned as I've walked with Christ now, you know, strongly for 17 years, I have learned that even though we don't necessarily encounter something physically, if we mean it, he takes us seriously. And he will align our lives according to what he has put within us. And we said that prayer, but I dealt with a lot of insecurity. Because even though I had given my life to Christ and I was serving him and I knew this is what I was going to do, I, I battled with this part of me that knew that I wasn't, I didn't have any gifts or graces that I knew was evident that, okay, God, you picked the right girl. I could, I could help your kingdom. Like, I didn't have that part of me. And at one point when I was 17, I was invited to speak at a conference uh, at a, during, after worship, before the message, get up and share my, my testimony. When I go to share my testimony... I, when I get invited I, during worship, I, ha, I begin to panic, realizing I'm about to get up in front of 4,000 people and share my story. And I'm the girl that never got up in an English class because I took a zero because I didn't want to be embarrassed. So it's, you know, how you're kind of getting confronted with what you were and who you are now. So I run around the building, and there's 4,000 people worshiping just this unbelievable experience, and I'm in the back of the building having a panic attack. So I'm sobbing, and I'm panicking, my dad comes over to find me. He happened to be at that conference. And he comes up and he grabs my shoulders. And he begins to hit me. No, I'm kidding. He doesn't. So he holds my shoulders. <laughs> Sorry. He holds my shoulders. You're like, how is this story funny? Just, just a minute. And he looks at me in the face and he says these words that marked me for the rest of my life. He says, Havala, if you don't look at fear as your enemy, it will eventually defeat you. If you don't look at fear as your enemy, it will eventually defeat you. Now, how do we overcome fear in that moment? Well, I had to go to work. I had to find rhema words that brought that to life. I couldn't say, well, I'm so cute, God, and I don't know anything. And devil, you just have to leave me alone because I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> you know, I'm just, I'm doing the best I can, devil. Just leave me alone. Give me five years and I'll know the word. The devil was so pissed. That's, that's a Greek word. He was so pissed <laughs> that I would believe God for my life, that I would actually take God for real, that I would actually say God has a plan for my life. He was so mad that he began to set up situations that would make me feel insecure and overwhelmed. I remember going places where I would get there and they, I would go to preach and there would be everybody would have a seat but me. I would go places where I would find, like, all of a sudden, nobody, you know, nobody invited me to do this. Or, or I would feel so insecure. Or I would say something. I would go to read something, and I would missay it, and the room would laugh. And I could feel my heart. I could feel the insecurity in me going, this is not working. I can't do this. I can't do this. And I would, I would try to just 
make the devil stop. Don't, don't say that to me. Don't say that. But it wasn't until I would look at him and say, no, no, no. The Bible says your sons and daughters will prophesy. And I'm a daughter and I'm doing exactly what the word says I should be doing. It wasn't until I began to say, Ephesians 4, I'm living a life worthy of the calling that I've received, so you can leave me alone. It wasn't until I began to say, listen, if God can use a mule, he can use me. It doesn't, he's not looking for some theological, crazy, amazing person. He's looking for somebody who's willing and obedient. And I may not write the books that those people read, or I may not do this or that, but you know what? I was obedient with what God gave me to do, and that's what's important in my life. And so your ability to know how the enemy picks on you, what he says over you, your ability to be aware of how he manipulates you, and for you to get a rhema word will be the biggest tool in your life. The devil says to you, Well, look at you. Who do you think you are? And you can say, I'm a child of God. I'm covered in the righteousness of Christ. That's who I am. Who are you? You see, what I have found in our lives as Christians and as Christ followers, I have found this is how the enemy operates in our lives. We could be up late at night one night, and we could be watching something on TV or something comes on the computer, and... um, we can begin to look at it, whether it's just pornography or whether it's something that's compromising. And, you know, we could act like, well, that doesn't apply. Well, you know, seven out of ten men look at pornography and five out of ten women look at pornography. So that's not, that's statistically what's happening right now in our world. So we can't act like, well, that doesn't apply here. It, it applies. But we could be looking at something we shouldn't be looking at. And when we look at it, we may stop immediately. and We go, you know, that's not who I am. I don't want to do that. And the devil will say something like, you're such a pervert, or you're such a, you're such a hypocrite. And what we will do at that moment is we will say, I know, oh, what's wrong with me? Oh, you're right, I shouldn't, Ugh. And then the enemy will leave us alone. And we'll go, what's the big deal? I, I didn't look at it, or I, I left the house, or I left the party, or I didn't do that, or what's the big deal? And then we will come into a room like tonight, and the song will be, will be singing, and we'll lift up our hands. And then that's when the enemy goes, oh, look at that. The hypocrite's going to worship. Oh, look at the pervert. Okay, go ahead, son. Worship. I know what you did. And the problem is, is not that he says it over us, but we agreed with him. At the moment of weakness, we agreed with the enemy, which means once we come into agreement with him, he holds the power over us. And so when now we've agreed, when he comes and says it to us, and he goes, oh, look at the hypocrite, and we go, I know, I, oh, but I don't want to be a hypocrite. We're not dealing with him. We're putting up with it. We're going, I'm going to try better. I'll, I'll be better this week. I'm not going to eat that. I'm not going to look at that. I'm not going to say that. I'm going to be better. That's not dealing with the enemy in our lives. That's putting up with the enemy in our lives. Your ability in a moment of weakness to interrupt yourself and say, he goes, you're such a hypocrite. No, I am not a hypocrite. I may have done that for a moment, but that doesn't define me. And I'm growing in God and that's not going to be a part of my life. I am, I'm covered in the righteousness of Christ and I'm going forward. Our ability to stop in the midst of the weakness and actually challenge him for what he's trying to get you to agree with will begin to be the power in your life. Does that make sense? So your ability in the midst of it 
in the midst, how many of us have weakness? All of us. How many of us do things because we're just unconsciously doing things? We go, what am I doing? I, you know, it's like having a buffet, having a beautiful meal, and then coming home and eating potato chips. You ever done that? You have a beautiful meal, and then you come home, and you're like, why am I eating chips? What's going on? Many times, sin can be like that in our lives. It doesn't mean that the meeting tonight wasn't a beautiful buffet, and the message wasn't phenomenal. Listen. I'm teasing. But when you go home and you start watching something you shouldn't, you go, why am I eating the potato chips? Sometimes it's just habit. It's just unconscious living. It's just the way the enemy is trying to subtly make an agreement with you so you won't come back tomorrow night because you'll be full of shame. And what happened at that moment is I could have made an agreement with the enemy that said, you know what? They're not, they're not even into the prophetic. So they, you know what? They deserved it. It was light, late at night. You know, I'm just doing the best I can. And if that's not good enough, then that's, I could have totally set up ways to make agreement with the enemy. You know what? I was, I was late and it was tired. I was tired and you know, that's her fault. She's so fearful. She believes everything I say. Well, that's you know, not spiritual either. You know, where's God in her life? I mean, I could have, uh, you know, character assassinated her. But what I decided to do was humble myself and not make an agreement with the enemy. I, I made an agreement with the Lord that said, you know what? It's not I that lives, it's you that lives. It's not my reputation, it's your reputation. It's not my gift, it's your gift. And if it came in a human form that hurt somebody, then I'm going to clean it up. Because that's my responsibility to honor the anointing that's in my life. It's not, it's my, listen, if you're a leader in the room... It's your responsibility to clean things up if your anointing hurts somebody. Or if your personality got in the way of the gift. And so that's what we need. We need the rainwater. Now, I can tell you, the enemy picked on me. After I called her, hung up the phone, do you know how, many, how fun it was? Two weeks of the enemy going, they're never going to invite you. They probably deleted you off of all their social media. You know, you're never going to be invited into this camp again. They're, you know, they're going to think that you're just as weird as everybody else in your zoo. And, and I'm going to, and I remember the, the enemy just working on me. Do you know, can I be honest? Anybody have an overactive mind? Anybody neurotic? Being neurotic is a full-time job. Neurotic. You know, it wasn't that I was buying into the lie. But if I didn't go after the lie, it would have subtly come in. So our ability to defeat the enemy by saying, it is written, it is written. My last story is this, and then I want to minister over a few of you. A couple years ago, after I had had our second son, Hudson, I was preaching. I was a part of a preaching team. There was four of us. There was three men and myself. We had five services at our church, and so we had a large church, and I would come in every six weeks and teach all the Sunday services. So I was, had my two children, and I was recovering of very, very bad pregnancies. Well, anyway, I began to get sick. I would get this kind of food poisoning sickness where I would get that rush of, you know, that kind of like your whole body sweats and tingles, and then you're like praying in tongues that you don't throw up, that kind of sickness. Does anybody else pray in tongues when they're going to throw up because you hate throwing up? I've had some of my best prayer times when I'm sick to my stomach. Like, Jesus, I'll go to the nations. So, is anybody else like that? Any kind of pain? God, take my migraine away and I will, I'll serve you. I really will. So, yeah, anyway. 
So I began to get sick, and I didn't know when it was going to happen. Usually it happened like two or three days before I'd speak. Well, pretty soon it began to happen every time I would speak. I would get this sickness, and I would throw up, and I'm not going to explain. In fact, I have some pictures. No, I'm kidding. So I would get sick, and um, so I didn't know what was happening. Well, I went to the doctor, and I don't know if, if your doctors are like our doctors, but our doctors, they just start taking blood. I don't know. when They're just like, we don't know what's wrong. Let's just take blood. You're like, I don't even know. It's just pain. I don't know. Just take blood. They have vials of blood. Is anybody, and you're like, they don't save the blood that they take. Can we just save it? Like, if there's, is anybody afraid of needles? Anyway, so, so they just took blood and they did ultrasounds and they're working me over and they're giving me medicine and ulcer medicine and all this medicine. Well, pretty soon it got so bad that one of my lowest points, I preached a service. I went in the bathroom, got violently sick, cleaned up my face again and went and preached another service. I got so anxious, I said, I don't think I can preach anymore because I'm afraid I'm going to get sick on stage and I don't know how to do this. So I'm overwhelmed with it. And um, I finally go to one of our leaders and I say, I don't know what's going on. Well, he says, why don't you call Chris Valentin? I don't know if you guys know who Chris Valentin is. He's my boss. He's a prophet. And I say that very, very, I mean, I say prophet like I only know maybe three prophets in my life. So I say that very, I don't just say that in a big way. So he says, why don't you call Chris Valentin? Well, I hadn't talked to Chris Valentin in six years. Chris Valentin's writing books, Traveling the World. But I had had his number in my phone for the, that many years. And so I thought, well, I don't even know if it's still his number, but I'm going to try. So I called him and I said, hey, Chris. And I kind of explained, I'm getting sick. I don't know what's going on. Take my boys to Costco. Do you guys have a Costco? Okay. Oh. Costco's awesome. It's like hors d'oeuvres. It's like a cocktail party for a mom. You know? It's like a cocktail party for a or, or an app, yeah, whatever. So I take my kids, I get a call from him an hour later on my phone. I'm like, he's calling me back. I get in my car, it's starting to rain. My boys are in the back seat, have now fallen asleep. And I start telling him this story. Well, as I'm telling him this story, he says this to me. I, I have a picture of you. You're sitting in an office. I'm like, and as he's saying it, all of a sudden, now I know what he's doing. It's part of their prayer ministry, but I didn't know what he was doing at the time. He goes, do you see it? I say, yeah, I see it. He goes, you're sitting in an office, and there's someone sitting at a desk in front of you. Do you see that? I said, yeah, I, I can see that. He says, what is that? What's he saying to you? So anyway, let's just go into ministry time. No, I'm kidding. I'll tell you guys. So I'm kidding. So, so bad joke. He says, I said, I'm explaining to him, my leader, that I feel called to travel and preach around the world. I have messages in my heart, and I believe that I'm called to preach and travel and teach. And he says, what is he saying to you? And he said this, well, I don't see anybody else inviting you to speak. And he said, well, what did you believe when he said that? I said, I, and I took me a minute, and I said, I thought to myself, well, then I better do the best I can here because that's the end of my destiny if I don't. And Chris said, well, then it looks like you invited witchcraft in your life. I'm like, whoa, witchcraft, that's a big word. Like, I didn't say there was a Ouija, Ouija board on the table. Like, that's a big word. Which, how many of you, have, I mean, if someone said you have witchcraft, I'm like, I don't know. He goes, I go, what do you mean by that? He says, well, when you begin to believe what the, what the devil believes over your life more than what God believes over your life, that's witchcraft. I'm like, okay, you'll have to unpack that a little bit more for me. He said, the moment that leader said to you, well, I don't see anybody else inviting you into their churches to speak. 
was the moment you began to serve the church more than God. You believe what that leader said over you more than what God said over you. And you begin to serve that mission as if that, your calling hung on the breath and life of that ministry. He said, I want you to repent before God for making an agreement with that ministry, making an agreement with the devil at that point that that was your source to all things that God had for you. I began through sobbing and tears, began to repent. God, would you forgive me? Will you forgive me? I want to serve you. I want to believe you for great things. I want to believe you, even though I have no invitations anywhere, I want to believe you that you're going to help me. I'm going to believe you that you can open up the world to me. I don't, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I just believe you can do this. And I began to sob, and there's rain coming over the car as I'm sobbing my way through this. And at the end of it, I felt like my soul had been cleansed. I had broken agreement with the enemy over my life. And from that day forward, I never was sick again. Not one time, never had a moment of it. It was gone off my life. And I want to say to you tonight this, and I'll close with this. When we make agreements with the enemy, it can affect every part of our life. And we can say it's not a big deal. But there are some of you in this room tonight, you have made agreements with the enemy years ago. Things people have said, what guys have said over you, what girls have said over you, what your boss has said over you, what your pastor has said over you, what your best friend has said over you, what your ex-spouse has said over you, or what your current spouse has said over you. You have believed lies. And when you believe a lie, it begins to be power in your life. and, And God will not come and defeat the enemy in your life. You have to go to work and do it. God will not come in the midst and go, I'll take care of all of this. Why would God not train you with with real tools? Why would he do it all for you so the next time you're in trouble, you're going to have to find a way to get to the altar call so he can help clean it up for you? Many times God doesn't set us free in prayer times, listen, this is important, or during ministry time because he wants you to go home and go to work. Because if you can go home and go to work, this is really important, if you can go home and if I know what the lie is and I know how to say it over my life, then the moment I'm driving down the street, I don't have to run to church or pray that Pastor Travis will come pray for me. I can actually defeat the enemy immediately and that loses its power over me. So the more you learn how to be pure without running to your guidance group and figuring it all out, the moment you can go, this is what it looks like in my life. And the more, see, God will withhold things from you. This is important. Some of you are waiting for a breakthrough in your life. And the reason you haven't had the breakthrough is because God's not meeting you where you are. Because if he meets you where you are, you won't grow up. And so God will say, I love you, Havilah. Stay right here. I'll be right over here. And I'll be like, but God, I need a breakthrough in my marriage. I need a breakthrough in my head. I need a breakthrough in my heart. And God goes, I'm not going to come meet you. I want you to come to me so that you'll actually grow. See, when we're new in God, we get milk, the Bible says, which means he, how many of you remember when you were new in God, how much God encountered you so sweetly and so quickly? It was like every worship service God was touching you. Every person had a word for you. Everything seemed, and then as you begin to be, and some of you think it's apathy. Like God, well, is is apathy? Was God not meeting me? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with my heart? There's nothing wrong with you. He's asking you to mature. He's asking you to grow up. And so he's not going to meet you in that worship service like he did because he actually wants to meet you in the worship service at 6 a.m. to the point where he's called you to to get up and grow and take responsibility for your spiritual walk. Does that make sense? And so he's not withholding from you. 
He's actually asking you to come to him. And that's what leaders do. Leaders begin to see where God is, and they don't just sit back and throw a tantrum until God comes to them. They go, I'm going to find him until he meets me. The pursuit of God. The pursuit of God. Some of you, you've been in the Lord for five years. It's time to grow up. Some of you were raised in church, and you don't know the Bible. Can I just get real for a minute? You, you don't know the word. And so you're still waiting for God to break through in your life at this very moment. And I'm saying, God is asking you to grow up. He's asking you to fight your own enemy. You go, well, you know, I want my spouse to be spiritual. You be spiritual. Well, I want my spouse to fight the enemy. There's things in our marriage. You fight the enemy in your marriage. You go after the things in your life. You get a breakthrough. You be all you can. Because everything, all the power you have is the only power you have is to change yourself. You cannot change anybody else. So my question to you tonight is this, as we close and as worship comes. What, what thing has been hanging over you? What lie has been hanging over you? You're never going to get married. You're never going to have a happy marriage. You're never going to be healed. You're never going to have financial freedom. Your kids are going to be messed up. Your kid's never going to get come back home. You're never going to get that job. You're never going to get that marriage. You're never going to get that guy or that girl. You're never going to get that ministry. You're never going to get... And just lies that hang out over us in the waiting. And see, some of us, we have to admit that we've let the enemy take from us. We've actually let him steal things from us. And then there are other of us that have to admit that we got so tired of waiting, we've given things to him. Because we don't want to be bugged anymore. And then there are some of us where we've made agreements with the enemy. And since we've made agreements with him, he has power over our lives. And the first step to freedom is acknowledging that agreement and breaking it off of us. And that takes humility. It takes us humbling ourselves and saying, God, help me. Show me what's up. Why am I dealing with this? Why, why am I not getting breakthrough? Why can't I see clearly? Why can't I get where I need to go? Why do I feel like I'm still in the desert after all these years? You shouldn't be dry all the time. You have seasons of dryness. The Bible talks about But the Bible says. We have our, our branches stay green and we bloom in season. The Bible talks about in Psalms. Seasonal growth. Seasonal fruitfulness. Seasonal grace. See, I just believe some of you are about to get your breakthrough tonight. Some of you are about to have a breakthrough tonight in your heart, in your soul, and in your soul. Did you know statistically, if you can get a breakthrough in your soul, you increase 65% more towards, you, your spiritual hunger grows 65% more if you have a healing in your soul. Isn't that amazing? You go, I, wa I want to be hungry for God. I don't feel that hungry. You need healing in your soul. You need things broken off of you. You need clear, clarity in your soul to know. So let's close our eyes. And I'm going to lead you in this for a few minutes. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your grace that's in the room even now. We thank you that you are here and that you love us. Just, let's just be honest for a minute tonight. There are some of you in the room right now where you, you realize that the enemy has taken from you. And you know that he has quickly st just stole from you and you know that 
He's come in and like embezzled. He's taken your joy, your peace, or your purity. He's taken your faith from you, and you know it's time to get it back. And you know that he's inviting you into that. If that's you, I just want you with every eye closed. I want you just to just lift your hand and say, that's me. The enemy's been taken from me. Hands everywhere. You're not alone. I love it. Tons of hands. Tons of hands. Some of you in the room tonight, you say, Havala, I am tired of waiting, and I, I have been sacrificing my birthright. I've been sacrificing who I am for a bowl of soup, and it's not who I am, and it's not worth it. And I realize that I've, I've sat at the, at the places of idols. I've worshipped the places of idols because I have not, I've not been willing to wait for God. I've not been willing to wait for His best. I've not been willing to seek Him. I've been apathetic or I've, I've not been willing to wait for the breakthrough. And so because of that, I've, I've sacrificed my own dignity, my own purity, my own ability to see myself as He sees me. I've, I've, I've just sat in the, in the mud and the mire, that, in the pig's pen, if you will. I need to come home to my dad's house. I need to know that He's waiting for me. If that's you, just lift your hand and say, that's me good hands all over tons of hands guys you are not alone you're saying that's me that's me some of you tonight when I talked you were so aware of an agreement that you've made in fact you didn't even know you had made it but in a moment of weakness you've been making agreements with the enemy and then you've been praying that God will just get you out of it and God wants to put a dagger in you he wants to give you the sword of the spirit the word of God within you and you're saying that's me Havala I've got some agreements I need to break off lift your hand say that's me lift your hand say that's me I love it I love it I really felt this word over you tonight there are some of you in this room you need to grow up in the spirit you've been waiting for someone to help you teach you lead you and really God's waiting for you to be the man you're called to be, to be the woman you're called to be. It's time. You've been in the Lord long enough and you're still waiting for people to spoon feed you truth, to give you what you need. And yet God's saying, would you get away with me? Would you come know me? Would you come seek me? Would you come find me? If that's you, just lift your hand and say, it's me. It's time for me to grow up. I can feel it in my heart. I know it's true. Awesome. Lots of hands. You know it's true. Say, it's me. I got to admit it. I, I just know it's me. It's time for me to grow up love that. Thank you, Jesus. If you raise your hand for one of those things, I want you just to stand right now. Say, that's me. Don't be embarrassed. Don't think. Don't stop. Just stand right now. Say, I raised my hand for one of those things. Just stand. Don't stop. Don't think about it. Listen, don't even look at your neighbor. They'll be here tomorrow. They won't even be here tomorrow, maybe. Just say, this is me. Just lift your hands in front of you for a minute, and let's just say this together. Lord Jesus, out loud, with conviction, Canada, with conviction. The confession of our mouth means means power and liberty in our lives. The confession of our mouth, Lord Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my spirit. I give you my soul. I give you my body. And I ask you for breakthrough in my life. I confess I have not lived in the fullness I've been called to. I confess, I believe the enemy more than you, God. I have confessed, I've made agreements with weakness and sin, and it's kept me powerless. It's kept me paralyzed. It's kept me inept. And I wanna make a change. I wanna live it out. I wanna be the man or the woman 
I'm called to be. Spirit of God, just come and touch them right now, God. Fill them up right now with your own words. Just say, God, come and fill me up right now. Spirit of God, touch them right now, God. We ask you, Jesus, touch them right now like a wind, God. Walk over this place, God. Just blow over this place, God. We invite you, Jesus. We invite you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we invite you. within you. You know, you've known it. And there's like a development 
and you've had many tears. There's been much heartache in your life. There's been some things that have just been so misunderstood and you've thought, Lord, what did I do wrong? I don't even know why I have this kind of heartache. Like, I don't know, why do I feel so deeply? I wish I could just ignore that. I wish I could just put it away and live different. But the Lord said, you're gonna live from your heart. You always have and you always will. And there's a beauty coming out of you. And the Lord said, there's like a worship and intercession coming out of you. It's a beautiful kind of exchange where your heart will be so full and you won't know what to do. And then all of a sudden you'll pray and you'll worship and it will feel like you're getting released. The Lord said, you're going to pray over nations. You're going to go to nations. You're going to walk on many different places. I saw you with a backpack on and you were traveling and you're going into orphanages and you were going into communities. And the Lord said, there's kind of a humanitarian thing about you. You, you want to help people. There's like a, you like acts of service. You like that kind of stuff. And I like the Lord said, you're going to go in and help people. Lord's breaking off fear off of you. It's kind of been a generational thing where there's been some fear involved. And I feel like the Lord said he's just like an egg, just kind of breaking over you, that fear. And I just pray right now, sovereign God, you would ignite her like a, like a, like I saw like a, 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 a sticks that were being ignited, like a flame, like it was coming. And it was, it was uh, like this, this, it was an ember and it began to grow and grow and grow and grow. And your life began to be ablaze. It began to be a testimony. I come against lies of the enemy that would say she doesn't get to be powerful. I come against every lie that says she doesn't get to be powerful. You get to be powerful. You get a voice. You get a voice. You get a, you get an opinion. You get you get to speak what you want to speak. No more wondering. No more questioning. No more hoping. Now is the time. Now is the time. Not a better time. No, don't be. Don't let the perfect take you out. Don't let the perfect take you out. You do what's in front of you to do, and it will grow, and it will grow. Your heart of mercy, your heart of compassion will grow, will grow, will grow. He's not done with you. He's just beginning. He's just beginning. It's just beginning, and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. Mm -hmm. Love that coral nail polish. See, you girls should have picked the, the coral at the pedicure place. Daniel. Daniel. You're in a real crossroads right now. There's a real crossroads happening for you. I saw decisions needing to be made. It's almost like you had a book in front of you. It was like a map. And you were like, which way do I go? And I saw you going like, I need to make some decisions. Like almost like a crossroads in your life. I don't know what that crossroads is, but I felt like you said, I need an answer. I need to know where to go next. And I saw the Lord was going to begin to give you. He's going to highlight to you. I don't know if you dream. But I feel like the Lord's going to give you dreams. You're, I saw him unlocking things in your dreams. And when you go out in the regular day, it's almost deja vu. You feel like you've seen it before. You've experienced it. You're a real sensor kind of guy. You, you're, you, you love na- nature. You love, you're sensing things. You're kind of one of those purists where you have a tendency to like walk into places and sense things and experience things. And physically, you experience things. You're a feeler. And the Lord said he's really going to give you a new heart to sense new things. I saw him making your path so clear. It was almost like the other path was going to fade out and you were going to know this is the path I'm going to take. That confusion is going to go away and that wondering and that kind of fear about making a mistake. Will I, will I live with this? The Lord said, perfect love casts out fear and you're going to be fine. I saw you. Um, you're very unconventional. There's like an unconventional part to you. It's almost like a part of you that goes, I don't need it to be normal as long as it's my normal. And I just saw you just having this quirky side of you where you're like, I'm going to do this. The Lord said, you are, get ready for an adventure because there's some major adventures coming your way. I saw you partnering. 
I don't know if you, do you go here? Or is this your community? I don't know if you, if you attend at all. Do people know you? I guess I should say, do people know you here? Okay. I felt like there was some community where you were going to be connected and you were going to go do adventurous things with them. Even head up some things. You're kind of a rescuer. There's a kind of a side of you. You love to rescue things. I don't know if you rescue animals, but you're kind of like a rescuer. Like I saw you like going into places and like rescuing things and, and you have a heart of compassion. And, and I think people sometimes misunderstand that compassion for maybe like, what are you doing, Dan? And I felt like the Lord said, no, no, he's made you with eyes to see what people cannot see. You're just, you see things differently. The Lord's going to lead you. And I just saw, like, you're going to have, like, seven different lives. Like, you're going to start here and do this life. You're going to go and do this life. You're gonna, and it was almost like you didn't mind it. You have this nomadic part of you. The Lord's going to really give you grace to do that. And I just felt like the Lord said, he's kind of breaking it open over you. Like, there's this box that people have tried to put on you your whole life. And you've kind of climbed out of it. But I saw you kind of, like, getting, it's almost like you climbed up waste wise but you're almost like climbing out the rest and going now I'm me and I saw you doing that so I bless you I ask for grace to come upon this man in a greater way I thank you for his unconventional thinking his unconventional life his his way of, of saying I'm not going to get stuck in the status quo I'm going to be the man I'm called to be and I just ask for grace to be the man he's called to be Dan rise up and be the man you're called to be Dan don't wait don't wait. Live the adventure. Live the life you're called to live. I speak life over you. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Is there a Janice in the room? Or somebody have a Janice? I feel like some Janice. Jan? Your mom is Janice. Come up. Yeah, come on up here. Your mom's a Janice. You know, it's interesting. At one of my meetings, there was a woman named Deborah. I got a Deborah. Well, Deborah, there was no Deborah in the room. Well, she had left. I there was somebody in the room had actually left. And I got an email saying, I'm Deborah. I was suicidal. I left the meeting because I wanted to take my life. I was over. Somebody texted me and said, you're getting a word right now in the meeting. She got the word and it, it was set her free. I got an email. She was leading one of my Bible studies in her church. Totally set free from it because of the name. So who knows who's here? I'm not saying that over your mom. But I, you know, that's not good. But anyway, Lord, um, I just feel like Janice is at a, it, she's at a place where um, God's healing her. And I'm not sure why it's a physical healing, but I feel like there's a physical need that she has that he's healing her body right now. Like there's literally heat going over her body right now. He's beginning to heal her body. I feel like this thing has kind of plagued her for many, many years and it's been a drain to her body. It's caused her to feel like she's lost energy and strength and it's been this like drain. I feel like the Lord is like literally coming and he's kind of ministering to her in the sweetness of him. He needs to be gentle with her. I get that. She needs a gentle move of God and I speak gentle over her. You're a fireball. What's your name? Diana, you're a fireball. You're a woman that you're on a mission. Like you are, you're like hurdles where I'm a hurdle jumper. I don't know what you're talking about. People are like, what, Diana, where, what are you going to do? I, you're like, I'm going to trust. How about that? And I saw you just like, no big deal. God's big enough to do whatever he needs to do kind of attitude. You just kind of have this resilience. You kind of always have. And things come at you and you're like, eh, that might be. But you know what? I'll live out of my car then. Who cares? And you kind of have this like part of you that you don't let the enemy pick on you. You don't let him set up scenarios that cause you to feel 
dominated by the scenario and you had to break fear off of you. It used to be an issue and you used to be dominated and it was a, it was a, can I be powerful? Do I get to really be myself? And you've just come out of, you're like a butterfly. You were like a caterpillar that no one saw. And then all of a sudden you began to break out and the butterfly got big and you began to fly and went, where did Diana come from? And you were like, I was just in the cocoon. I was getting prepared for this moment of beauty and grace. Diana, you have what it takes to do what you're called to do. Diana, you are in a moment in history, a Kairos moment in your life, and you've stepped out of the boat, but it's time to walk to Jesus. You got out of the boat, but don't look around. Don't look at the wind and the waves. You look at his face, and you just walk on that water. You were meant to walk on water. You were called to walk on water. He called you to get out of that boat. You do what's in front of you to do. You're a, you are a fiery woman. You're full of zeal. It's hard. I mean, you're just one of those girls where you wake up fiery and you go to bed fiery. I mean, you just, you're dreaming. You're a visionary. You see something and it's as good as done. I mean, you're just one of those. You're just, you see it, it's as good as done. The Lord said, you also know how to structure things and pull things together. And you know how to like put this line over here and dot this T, you know, I and cross this T. And, and it's almost like you'd rather get it done right so everyone can just enjoy their experience. And the Lord said, he's anointed you for that, but he's also pulling you from behind to, to the front. And you've said, I don't want to do it, God. I, I'm really happy doing what I'm doing. God goes, that's awesome, Diana. But really, there's a part of you that people need to hear what you have to say. And the Lord said, you're going to be, I love the people that are least qualified and least likely to try to be up front. I actually like this kind of people. Lord said over you that there's really literally like an Esther moment happening with you. You've been prepared. You smell like the fragrance of him. You've been sitting waiting for your moment to be before the king. The Lord said, there'll be a moment where you will go before the king and favor will follow you. So I just speak life over you. I speak live long and like live long in the fullness of God. Diana, you are all you need to be at this moment. You don't need anything else added to you at this moment. You just live in the pleasure of your dad. Just live in the pleasure of your dad. He is so excited about you. Son of God, come in a fullness to her. Like the day of Pentecost, set her free. Let her be the guy, let her be Peter that gets up on the stage and begins to pre- preach you. <laughs> Woo! Let her preach you, Jesus. Everywhere she goes, let the light of your countenance shine upon her in her face. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you come up here, right here? You, no, the black jacket. Yeah, come on up. What's your name? Leslie, so Leslie, you're in a really encounter time. You, you are, you know, you are so unique in the way you do life. You, you've really come out of darkness into light. There was a real darkness that tried to get you. I mean, it was just dark, darker than dark. There are things that you don't even like to think about or talk about because it was just this darkness. And you came out of that cave like, like a resurrection day. I mean, you just came out of that cave and it was like the light of day hit you and you were never the same. And the light filled every part of you, your mind, your will, your emotions, all the crevices. And you kind of became that person like this movies where the, they just have light beaming out of their every orifice of their body. And I just saw you like coming and light was on you. You have an evangelistic call. It was a real call on you to reach out to people that are in darkness. There's an evangelist to call on you to touch people, to speak to them. There's a rescue part of you. You like to pull people in and, and feed them and love them and hold them and clothe them. And then, hey, we'll talk to you about Jesus. But let's get your needs met first. You're just one of those girls. You just, you, you, don't, you don't like fluff. You're like, I don't need fluff around me. Like, if you want to go over there and be fluffy for Jesus, you can do that. 
but I'm not going to be fluffy for Jesus. Like, I'm going to be the woman I'm called to be. And I, and honestly, being a woman isn't even an issue for you. It's just like, I'm just me. Like, I've just felt like for you, there's kind of a part of you that you've even wondered, like, do I lack that femininity? Like, what's going on? And, that, and the Lord said, no, you don't. You're just, you're kind of a different cloth. You just, that's just not need. You just, you're one of those girls that's going to like, not be distracted by a lot of that. You're just going to go forward and do the call of God. And God's going to add all that to you. And you're going to have the family. You'll do all that. But but that's different than just that I- idea of like, you're his. And the Lord said, answer the call. The Lord says, answer the call. Answer the call. The call to go. The call to go and come and go and come and go and come and go and come. I see it over you. Like there's going to be opportunities for you to go and come and you to go and come. And Lord said, just step out in faith and your leaders will help you know how to answer the call. You'll go, how do I do this? And they'll go, we'll show you. This is what faith looks like. You are, um, you're like a child. You have a childlike faith. Lord said he's gonna, he loves that about you. You love to dance and worship and there's a zeal about you that's infectious and contagious. Lord said he's made you just like that. That's exactly you're meant to be. So live in it. Live in the joy of your dad. Your dad loves you. He loves the way you laugh. He loves your quirky sense of humor. He loves all that part of you that goes, this is just me. He goes, yeah, I made her just that way and I love her. I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Is there Eric in the room? Eric? All right. No big deal. I can be wrong. Um, who just graduated this 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 in January? I mean, July in June. Who graduated? Is there somebody who graduated? You did. Come come on up. Is there anybody else who graduated? I felt like graduates. Is that is that you? Are you coming up? Okay. Anybody else? You graduated, and then well, we're almost done. You guys are being awesome. What's your name? Jennifer. So Jennifer, you are a thinker. I mean, you are a thinker. I mean, you think about thinking. I mean, that's just who you are. You just process life in a unique way. You, I don't know if you're a reader, but I just saw you like thinking about things and processing and, and you're, you're, you're an artist. There's something about you that's very artistic and you love, you like unique and creative things that people wouldn't necessarily like. You're kind of drawn to it. You kind of see things. And, and I saw you kind of like urban environments and places where you can just like experience creative people and things. I even felt like the Lord was going to move you to somewhere that's urban. I know that sounds really weird, but don't take it as a word from the Lord unless it's in your heart. But I felt like there was even like an invitation for you to do something with an urban environment. Like a, I saw streets and I saw art museums and places and you were like walking around and you were just being you and but you were loving it. And the Lord said, your, your heart has kind of been in this like cocoon and the Lord's beginning to unwrap it. And you've been like, please be gentle. Please be gentle because people haven't been gentle with it. And I feel like the Lord said he's being gentle with you. He's unwrapping it and, and keeping it safe in your life. The Lord said um, he's knocking, but he won't come in unless you want him to. I don't mean in salvation. I just mean in your heart. Like he's knocking. And I felt like as you invite him in, you're going to encounter a grace in your life for newness and freshness. But um, there's, there's something coming your way. There's an invitation into something. And I just you need this word to know that that's where God's leading you is in the invitation. So I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. It's all the girls. Sorry, guys. Nobody graduated, huh? You guys should have went to school. No. What's your name? Lillian? Lillian? Come close. Lillian. 
Lillian, you have a joy about you. I mean, you're fiery. There's this joy that you just contagious. I mean, you've been rescued and redeemed, and there's a cultural joy that happens. I don't know what that means, but something about that. And I felt for you like the Lord is literally coming. He's turned your mourning into dancing. He's turned your ashes into oil of gladness. He has literally enveloped you. And the Lord said he wants you to know that he is, your joy is going to grow into a movement of joy. I feel like you're going to have people come along your path and you're going to reach out to them and you were just being yourself, but you became a mom in the culture. I don't know. I don't, I'm not saying that's your age, but I felt like you have a mother and nurturing heart. You're a mother by nature. You love to hold people. You love when they're hurting, you want to hold them. You want to put them on your lap. You want to sing over them. You want to be with them. And Lord said, he's going to grow that and grow that and grow that and grow that. And you're going to have a legacy of loving people that are broken and hurting. You're going to have a legacy of, of loving the broken. You know what it's like to be broken. You know what it's like to be left out. You know what it's like to not fit in. And I felt like the Lord said, um, even abandoned, I don't even know what that means, but I feel like you even know what it means, the abandoned part, like a baby gets abandoned, I almost felt like you understood, I don't know what that means, but like the Lord said, you're going to be like an adoptive mom, there's an adoptive, you have an adoptive mom in you, you want to adopt people into your family and love them, so I bless you, and I say yes and amen, <laughs> yes and amen, <laughs> hallelujah, yes Lord, your name, Mary? So Mary, you are, you're very smart. You're, you're a sharp cookie. You see things from a mile away and you know what's going to happen. And I saw you, there's a part of you, you, you are, you're just, you, you've got discernment. You see things and you know what's going to happen. And I saw the Lord's going to grow that gift in you where you're going to have like x-ray vision to see what's in front of you and to know what to do and, and what's going to happen. It's going to grow. The gift's going to grow within you to see things. And I want you to know something that you are, um, that the Lord's going to take you on a unique journey and it's going to surprise you. Don't be, don't be, you'll go, I don't know, this wasn't in my plan because you like things all planned out and organized and perfect. Lord said, don't be, don't, don't let that mess you up. You'll be surprised at what he calls you into. But when you go, you're going to notice the hand of God. You're going to beautify things. Is there, do you like to decorate? Yeah, there's a creative decorative thing about you, like a almost I don't know if it's graphics or design, but there's something within you you love to decorate, make things beautiful, and things that are ugly and thrown out, you love to make them beautiful. And Lord said, that's going to be your ministry. You're going to make things beautiful, and it's going to grow. So I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Your name? Gabriel. Gabriel. Oh, your, your foster brother's name is Eric. Okay, awesome. And your name is Gabriel. All right. So, um, Gabriel, you're, you're a thinker as well. You're a guy that likes to, you know, you, can, you think about certain, like, how is this all going to work out? And what about this? And what about that? And you're very loyal. You're a loyal person. You love things. Like, you, you, when, you meet, when you say something, you're going to do something, you're going to do it. And when you lock in, you lock in. And there's a real grace on your life. And I feel like the Lord said, you're going to be a pillar in the house of God. You're going to be a man that says if he's going to be there, he's going to be there. If he's going to do it, he's going to do it. And you're going to serve people around you. And you're going to become a faithful, like, centurion where people come in, they're going to be like, Gabriel's there. He's always there. He's always a servant. He's always going to, like, lead. And I felt like you're going to, like, literally strengthen. Like, remember in the Bible when Moses had to lift his arms and there were two men that lifted his arms? You're one of those men. 
You're the type of guy that would lift the arms, that the presence of God would come. And I just saw that over you. Like, you were just going to lift the hands of leaders and people around you. The Lord said, don't say that you're, you're, you can't do that or you're not good at that. or you're not. No, no, no. You have, you're having a Jeremiah chapter 1 experience. What, what do I say to them? Say to them whatever I tell you and do whatever I tell you to do. And if you don't say it, I'll embarrass you before men. I mean, that's what he said. It sounds kind of mean, but, you know, like, j- just do it. And I feel like that for you, like... You have a tendency to wait and miss the opportunity. And the Lord says, don't wait. Jump in. At that moment when you feel like it's time, do it. Or you'll miss your opportunity and you won't grow in the way that you need to grow. You're a good man. You're faithful. You have a pure heart. Gabriel, you have a pure heart. You have a pure... I I come against the lie that says you don't get to have that. You have a pure heart. You want God. And God's going to give you that freedom that you've been asking for. You want Him. And I can see it in you. And don't, the enemy would love nothing more than to rob that from you. And I want to say over you, you are a good man. God looks at you as a good man. You have been faithful to Him. You go, I, I haven't been. No, no. No, no. God looks. The Bible says we are dark yet lovely, which means God, the God of the universe, has the capacity to look past all of our brokenness, all of our darkness, and see the yes inside of us. And you have a yes, and he sees it. So I bless you in Jesus' name. I give you grace in Jesus' name to do the work of the kingdom in front of you. I bless Eric. Help Gabriel to be the brother he's called to be to Eric. Let him be a leader. Let him speak life in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.